Hey guys, welcome to episode 192 of the podcast with wonderful Molly Lewis. I hope you enjoy the episode. I just have a couple of shout outs I want to catch up on. Um, I want to wish Laura a very happy birthday. I want to thank Anna and Katie for your emails um, and say hello to Holly and Eagle Eye. Um, And I will catch up on more shout outs soon, but uh, I'm going to leave it at that and invite you into this episode with uh, just a wonderful gal. Boy, gal, there's no way to say that without it sounding um, like I'm in the 1940s. So enjoy this wonderful gal, a.k.a. Molly Lewis. Now entering Nerdist.com. podcast beginning testing hello one testing is this a microphone is this what microphone you want to interview me that's delightful (laughs) uh welcome molly hello thanks for doing the podcast it's good to be here and you're down here a fair amount you were saying yes my family lives in santa clarita so and you're from Anaheim. i am from yeah i grew up basically in disneyland is what i tell people inside of disneyland in cinderella's castle yeah i just had a bed under the under the steps it was delightful beautiful yeah do you feel did you go to disneyland a bunch when you were young yes um we to the point that i had like memorized the the sort of banter from star tours before it closed down mm-hmm. when it was God, the same right so time. weird I I'm, ha- I'm having a well no but listen you'll you'll see i'm having a run of anaheim disneylanders mm-hmm. um like my last i think my last two episodes in a row both people are from this area and both people one amanda lund worked at disneyland and then yeah this is actually it's really funny this is like uh i'm really in disneyland mode i guess i'm very excited month i'm very excited about it no complaints whatsoever just in time for the diamond anniversary or whatever we did it we did it everybody good job the diamond anniversary hmm Disneyland and the Queen. Um, yeah, so you knew Star Tours too, but I'm serious. Like, I feel like someone just said I knew all, I memorized every word of Star Tours. Oh, yeah, because I grew up in Los Alamitos, yeah, which is just down Catella from Disneyland. So we just had a pass and we just treated it like our neighborhood park. I mean, that's so fantastic. And do you still have that relationship? This all feels like a weird memory dream no. that I had, but I, because I just asked this, <laughs> but do you still have that relationship to you? Do you feel, or did you kind of grow tired of it because you went there all the time? I definitely went through like a phase in my teen years of like, Disneyland's dumb. It's all the same thing every time. And why do we keep going? But right. then once I went away to college, I would sort of do the math. Like, how many times will I visit my mom this year? And will I, I go to Disneyland at each of those visits? And could I justify getting a pass? Uh-huh. And that whole thing. <laughs> um, and usually I could work, math my way towards it. Yeah. I think I was going to do it anyway. You can always math your way towards it. Mm-hmm. Magic, use magic math. Magic math. Um, that sounds like a song you should immediately write. Yes. Uh, <laughs> now, what did it have the effect on you that it had on me, which I'm not from here, but I would go every year, sometimes multiple times a year from Arizona, um, where it just sort of ruined every other theme park unless it has the attention to detail that Disneyland does? Oh, yes. Like, I would go, my family now lives by Six Flags Magic Mountain, oh, and we go please. there, and we go, oh, the ground's all sticky. That doesn't happen. Yeah. Oh, this ride's broken, and that ride's broken. Oh, charming. You or know what I like to say? What is this ride about? Uh, it's about you're going fast on a roller coaster. What's the backstory? 
who are the characters I'll see? Other people throwing up, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> there isn't really. In parades, too. I find parades are, are kind of yeah. ruined for parades now. Oh, parades. And robot presidents. And it's just all, it's all gone downhill. Yeah. Of all the robot presidents you can see anywhere, Abraham yeah. Lincoln's probably I the best. I find the, the robot uh, Taft at Six Flags uh-huh. really disappointing. <laughs> That'd be so weird. What if there was an early, like, amendment to the constitution that no one recognizes that uh, every amusement park had to feature an animatronic president they really thought ahead or the terrorists win or the terrorists win we yeah. know this we absolutely had to stick to it we've proved that the terrorists haven't won because everyone so knows so great yeah. Knott's Berry Farm has a charming uh, animatronic Terrius Truman <laughs> that was my closest poll that seems like he would have been uh, sort of a snoopy but there's snoopier, a question mark at the end of Harry S. Truman yeah <laughs> You want to see the robot Harry S. Truman? <laughs> it may or may not be him. Um, awesome. So, uh, and you live in Seattle now. I do. And we were talking bef- right before we started recording that Seattle's a series of bridges, which is charming and wonderful, unless there's traffic. Yes, because you can't, it's hard to widen a bridge, as it turns yeah. out. Um, and t- Tacoma has a delightful history of, they made a bridge, this high-tech bridge that was nicknamed Galloping Gertie because it had these springs to sort oh, of wow. cushion it. Um but then it got caught in a gale storm and the springs kind of, it, it just Whoa. kept escalating and escalating until it just fell straight into the sound. Oh God. And so Seattle doesn't have a great history with bridges, but we depend on them. I mean, that sounds like a, could be a San Francisco story as well. Yeah. Oh yes. I mean, bridge, I guess collapsing bridge bridges. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what, what took you to Seattle? Uh, college. I went to, uh, college at the university of puget sound in oh Tacoma. sure i applied to the university of Did puget really? sound well i wanted to go these guys know i wanted to go i desperately wanted to be in the pacific northwest for college even though i did not end up doing that because mm-hmm. um, i got like a full ride to an in-state school so i just went as far north as i could in arizona yes. like this is close enough there's no sound here um but my dad and i did like a whole big trip where we went up and you know i applied to like evergreen and lewis and clark and university yeah. of puget sound and um yeah i just love the pacific northwest so i'm glad that at least one of us yeah went there yeah that was where my when my grandpa came to the states from korea that's where he landed he landed oh, in portland okay. and so oh, wow. my family's always had kind of an affection for that area that's so cool yeah. Uh, and obviously you liked it enough that you decided to stay. I did. I met I met a fella and uh, he let me live in his house. Uh-huh. And so I was able to stay <laughs> while I continued to pursue the music thing. I mean, that does help. That does help. What did you study in college? I studied English because mm-hmm. uh, it was the only thing I was good at in high school. Mm-hmm. Speaking uh, the language of English. Yes. <laughs> and I thought like Regina Spector writes songs about books, so I can probably speak. Hey, this. listen, Sting was a teacher. My dad will always throw that at me because my dad was a high school English teacher. <laughs> Sting was a teacher. He really. was a teacher. Yeah, he was a teacher. I don't know if he taught high school or not, but, um, you know, he wrote that song with the police. Don't stand so close to me. uh, That's about Lolita. That's like also because he was a teacher and I think he was sort of experiencing that firsthand. Maybe hot, hot teacher, hot teacher. Who's also in a (laughs) band. I was just picturing like Sting took a sabbatical and decided to teach high school English for like troubled teens. (laughs) That's also weirdly something that I would believe. That's a movie I want to see. Yeah. He just took some, you don't know that when he took some time off from the police before he started his solo career, he just went back and did a whole dead poet society kind of thing. (laughs) Oh, sting my sting. Oh, sting my sting. Kind of works. Not really. (laughs) Not really. Um, what were so when you were studying English, were you just, so it was mostly sort of literature study and well, it did was, you think that you were gonna knew well I, do anything with it other than I knew before I even got in because I had a similar like went to, with my dad to visit Seattle, but we I applied to a bunch of schools, only got into a terrifying Bible college in Santa Barbara, wonderful, and then got taken off the wait list at UPS and ran for it. But um, before that, um, 
my I had gotten in touch with Jonathan Colton and Paul and Storm, who had seen my sort of ukulele videos that I had made while I was in high school, and reached out and said, "Hey, whereabouts in the country are you? Uh, when we tour to your area, we would love to have you join us for a couple songs." Nice. And I was like, "Holy, holy crap!" I think I actually thought that I had like some sort of Make a Wish Foundation thing that no one was telling me about. <laughs> like a weird positive prank yeah it's like are you are you sure are you sure you got the right person yeah Um, but so we were going on a family trip when they were in la so we decided my dad was like you've applied to schools in other cities though right wink and so Uh uh, we went to seattle visited the campus and then i was jonathan and paul and storm let me be a guest in their show and so that's great i had like visited the school i really wanted to go to but hadn't been accepted to yet and i had Played for a crowd of people who had paid for their seats and had never seen me before. Because all my shows that I'd played up to that point for, were for, like, my high school friends or my family or something. Yeah. And so it was... God, this, what a great immediate positive association to make was, with place. Oh, absolutely. And it was bizarre because it was... I knew I wanted to go to the school, but I also knew from the, the show that whatever degree I got, I didn't want to use. I wanted to just do this. And so it was a very confusing time in my life. <laughs> um, and then fortunately, UPS accepted me and I ran for the fences. Yeah. I knew that if I didn't go to college out of state, I would never get the escape velocity to leave California. I think that makes sense. Yeah, that is something that's... That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think of that as being true about um, a place like Arizona. But in a way, it seems like it would be even harder to leave an area of opportunity where, you know, there's so much... There's so much, you can sort of stray outside of Anaheim and be in a whole different world within half Mm -hmm. an hour, much less an hour, you know what I mean? So that actually, that makes sense. Because in my mind, like leaving Arizona, I needed the velocity, but it was also just a natural assumption. But I had plenty of friends who stayed in Tucson. Oh, yeah. But had I grown up in LA, I have no idea whether I would have ever left. I I easily could have gone to just a school there and settled in and been like, well, I never saw anything else, but LA is pretty great. But I'm comfortable. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And plenty of career opportunities and stuff. Oh, absolutely. And I I also, I did not learn how to drive until I was 22. So LA kind of posed a problem for me in that way. I also, I think it's, these guys know, it's safe to say I didn't, I did not drive well or have a license until I was in my 20s. I learned how to drive with like a permit and then was terrified, hated it and just avoided doing it at all costs until finally it was became necessary. Yes. And then I was like, I guess I could be, but it's one of those things where, and I, I'm interested to hear if you feel this way. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, I think I was just too, um, I didn't know of my, myself as being like hysterical or that frightened. Sure. But I think that in my mind, when something goes wrong, when you're driving, it's catastrophic. Yes. Right. And, and then saying, this is just how I drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, so I was like, first of all, I'll kill someone. Mm-hmm. But not like I wasn't thinking it through that way. I think I was just like in avoidance mode. Right. But also, I think that I had this idea that like driving was something other people did. <laughs> do you know some people are so in a rush to do it and they think of them and they like want to do it and they get their license and they feel very free. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do it at the exact same time as everyone else, it starts to associate as something outside of the realm of possibility for you. That was my experience. I'd love to hear from you. Did you get the, um, like, like, well, Janet can't drive, you know, sort of this like novelty associated with like, well, what an eccentric. She hasn't learned to Please, drive yet. When I would be in a car with someone when I finally did drive who I hadn't seen, who I grew up with, they'd be like, it's just so weird to see you behind the wheel. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. And thanks sort of, for the reminder. Everybody get off the road. Molly's yeah. driving. Like, oh, <laughs> you guys. Yeah. Cut me some slack. Oh, yeah. Because I and I, I've always been a very anxious kind of child. And so I always I assumed not just that I would kill somebody else, but that I would kill myself. Sure, sure, you know, sure, sure. And sort of figured, well, I just need to move to a place that has public transit. Yeah. And that will solve all of my problems. But then I became, you really were in a place where it's just not 
it's, it's not, not easy to no, not drive. I was in the middle of Orange County and we had like one bus that went in and out of Orange County. It took an hour to get to Disneyland by bus. And I uh-huh. kind of like, well, this is <laughs> worth it. Not sustainable, but uh, I'll do it. Do you, um, to, tell me about your family. Do you have brothers and sisters? I have uh, two younger brothers uh-huh. um, who are up in Santa Clarita with my mom. And um, they, and they, actually the youngest one hasn't learned to drive either. So I feel like, and my dad grew up in like a mountain town in Colorado. And mm-hmm. so he didn't want to learn to drive because he thought it would make him lazy. Interesting. So interesting. Yeah. And he was, he was in the a very small town. The culture of not driving. It's kind of exciting it and interesting. Kind of, yeah. I mean, in a mountain town, he sort of believed he could, because he grew up in what is now Breckenridge. Uh, I love Breckenridge. It's so nice. It's, it's really great. It's Colorado gotten nicer since great. he's moved out. Which I'm sure. Well, I remember he, my dad writes books about ghost towns and mining camps and Breckenridge was like ooh. at the, at, you know, 25, 30 years ago was mm-hmm. like the best kept secret. Like it was, you know, everybody went to Aspen, everybody went to yada yada and Breckenridge was like, no one knew about it. No one knew how charming it was. It had the sort of ghost town stuff going on mm-hmm. in it. And now it is much more of like Aspen part two, I think. But it was but. definitely unchanged from my dad's childhood up until, you know, maybe 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, but he was, because there were 380 people, I think, when his family moved in wow. and someone went out and changed the sign. Oh, man. It's one of those things. So he was on every team and all that stuff. And so there's stories about like my dad driving, like biking home from the dentist with or with a full leg cast or something oh, where <laughs> my grandpa would get these calls like Sheldon, your boy's in the ditch again. Okay, I'll go get him. Amazing. So and I, so, okay, so you didn't feel, it sounds like also you weren't getting a lot of pressure from your parents to sort of get behind the wheel or... Not especially. I think they, I was the, I'm the oldest child, so I was, I sort of brought them into a lot of parenting frontiers that they were sure. sort of frightened of. So I think they weren't, they kind of wanted me to get a license so that I could go pick my brothers up and stuff, but also me not being able to drive was not the worst thing because it kept me close to the roost. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah I think my I was the only child, but both my parents, I think, were like, I don't know when she thinks she would ever use my car anyway because I'm always using it. So <laughs> probably they were like, this is very convenient. I don't that need she to show zero interest. Yes. Exactly. Absolutely. And what, um, were you, uh, were you a great student? Were mm-hmm. you, no, uh-oh, no. No, 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 no. no. Um, I was... As I found out once I got to college that I had ADD the whole time. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. But I was a um, what they called a gifted achiever or something. Sure. So the school district refused to pay for my testing because it wasn't seen as needed. So, uh, and my brother was diagnosed with everything. He kind of came into school right at the let's diagnose every boy with ADD. Who cares? Right. Right. And so he got all the attention that I felt I probably would have benefited from. But I, you know, I trucked through. I mm-hmm. Knew. But what was the, what, so how was that manifesting itself for you particularly in high school was it that you would space out was it that you I just wasted you know deadlines I, mean? I just kind of went yeah. well this is just grunt work and it doesn't help me learn this thing it's yeah. just filling time so I'm not going to do it yeah the old too smart for your own good problem <laughs> I, that's what I told myself I don't know was your school how, what, how challenging was your school it sounds like not oh. terrible was it a public school yeah it was yeah. and it was a very I think it was very big. We had like 700 kids in my graduating class. So it was kind of easy to sort of slip through the, cl- the cracks if you mm-hmm. really wanted to. And I took the AP classes, which was fantastic because when I went to UPS, they counted that as credit. Uh huh. So I had like a whole semester banked, oh, which allowed me to great. fail through several classes. Uh-huh. It was great. Oh, so good. Um, ups and downs, ups and downs. Ups and downs. Yeah, I was, I was investing time for my college self mm-hmm. and I didn't even know it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I always... And I always kind of worried um, because I was sort of musically inclined, but not trained in any meaningful way. I couldn't read music. I didn't really work well with bands. I couldn't play to a click, that kind of thing. Right. And I didn't know like what place there was for me in the adult world. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of, and I always kind of saw myself in sort of this continuity of like, I would always be like shouting back to like, oh, see, 10 year old Molly, the future's great. You're going to have a great time. 
but I couldn't see what 35-year-old Molly was doing. I mm. couldn't imagine. God, that's a really great way of putting it because I feel like the same. I feel like I have zero, I've never had any sense of the future, but have always been able to sort of look back and go like, eh, things are good. Things, things are, are all right. Yeah. yeah. Do you, because uh, when, when you were a kid, did you worry, because I always worried if I followed sort of the winds of, of fashion that I would look back on myself and go, I can't believe I did that with my hair. And for some reason, that future scrutiny was terrifying to me. Interesting. God, was I? I'm trying to remember if I had any sense of past or future as a young person. Um, I, that's a really good question. I don't know if I did. I don't know if I projected ahead and thought, or, you know, thought, oh, I'll regret having done this. Yeah. I don't know that I thought that. Um, that also seems but like you, a very but, mature but perspective. Sort of the, the timeline behind you as well. Like, yeah. You, you sort of shout out to seven year old Janet, you're doing okay. Yeah. Well, that's a good question, too. Did I even have that relationship to looking backwards until after college, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. Because I think. I think I think it took a long time to to not feel like that was there was a continuity there that I couldn't even see mm-hmm. that that had that time had passed like in some weird way it was still happening like I still was in sixth grade like even though I was there. 16 so there was sort of this there wasn't this kind of like inner child if you want to use a corny term but there wasn't the sense of like hey different me my child it was like me. all yeah. same me all same me all same me everything felt fresh everything felt raw up until a certain point when somewhere maybe i was able to kind of go oh right that time has passed i'm different now do you know <laughs> yeah, what i mean yeah and some of that still hasn't faded away which I do a podcast about high school, but (laughs) you're just kind of a nesting doll made out of, you know, little small. There you go. A matryoshka. Uh, Yeah. A matryoshka. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm looking at you like you have to know. I thought you were trying to make like some sort of nesting doll is called, isn't it? Of like maturity Uh and matryoshka. (laughs) Oh my God. I was. Why wasn't? But I am now. Mm -hmm. Matryoshka. (laughs) Yes. We've done something here. Something very important work has been done. That's right. Um, so when you say that you, uh, had the opportunity, well, when you say that you learned that you couldn't play to a clicker or that you didn't feel like you, you know, you knew you couldn't read music, that mm-hmm. implies that you tried it, right? So yeah. rather than just being in your room, always making music by yourself, what were your, um, uh, sort of outreaches, uh, musically? Well, my, my mom, when she was sort of in high school, college age, she was in, have you heard of the Young Americans? The they're the singing group. They've been around sort of in the background for since the fifties, I would say. Interesting. I'm aware of Up with People. That's yeah, the they're, only they're the not, sort of touring young people who sing positive songs. They're not That's, dissimilar, actually. Okay. The young Americans, like they used to, they would sing like backup for Bing Crosby for, during the Bing Crosby oh, TV that's specials. Sh- very cool. That kind of thing. And they've yeah. sort of changed shape uh, as the decades have gone on, as any sort of good organism does. It adapts to survive. Um, and so when my mom was in, it was sort of this mill for like you know, talent to go to Broadway shows. And it, the whole thing they would do is they would take sort of young talent and make them do every part of the production. They would put on a musical and you, you will run lights for this one and you will play a thing. But they kind of made you, you don't dance? No, we're going to make you dance and you'll be okay at dancing. And was this know, New York specifically based or LA based in, or was it uh, you brought kids in from all over? It's in uh, Corona. It, oh, okay. It's headquartered in Corona. Okay, great. And she went to Burbank High, so she was fairly local and so she went through this thing and learned how to be part of a cast and learned how to be part of a production and I sort of knew from like what her friends from that group did in sort of later in their life and sort of the things the story she would tell like everything about it kind of made me uncomfortable and I knew like this is not an organization that fits 
my and that's sort of the point is they pull you out your comfort zone and sort of train you to do all the use all the parts of the of the show buffalo as it were uh-huh. <laughs> thank it for its service yeah uh do, do it do it the honor uh-huh. of using all the parts but like um and it's there's something very you know it's very up with people it's very sort of there's something kind of saccharine about it that i didn't connect to and i knew like i would learn something from doing it but it wouldn't be a production i'd be proud of right and i right. super wanted to like kind of cut my own path in the woods and so i have but that was sort of my only sense of like here's how you become a performer because it was basically this sort of gauntlet that you'd go through and you'd be a well-rounded performer on the other side and i didn't want to go through the gauntlet particularly i felt like like i'll figure out something and i know when i was i don't remember this but when i was 12 apparently i told my mom that i wanted the internet to be my job and she kind of went okay well you'll figure it out Uh (laughs) but now it's kind of my job yeah 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 absolutely that's so interesting uh okay so and so you learned you were learning everything by ear, which is um, I guess that's not uncommon, especially with something like chords, where you can. I mean, that's the save and grace, right? I started with classical guitar when I was in fifth grade, and the difference between like how quickly I loved just seeing a chart of like dots. Yes, you know, like oh, okay, so this is I six strings. This yes. is just like a graph. Like here are these dots. Those are my fingers. Got yeah, it. It's a programming language. Opposed to, you know, reading music no- music notes on like a on a on an actual sta- staff or That's even like what I mean. See, listen, I don't know. Like the like tablature, right? Tablature, just num- yeah. Just numbers. Just yeah. numbers on a bunch of lines. Oh yeah. I know what that means. Yeah. That, yeah. so that felt like a really great shortcut from the excruciating process of reading music that I'd had for my youth. Did you uh, like were you in sort of a classical like a program? Like Yes, yeah, it was guitar? just I always went to public schools, but I went to like magnet. Uh, schools where they would have after school programs for all these parents who you know we were all latchkey kids and so yeah. somehow your school day started like for me I took two buses so um, apologize for those of you who have heard the story before although I don't know if I talked about this that much but um, would get up in the morning take one bus to a transfer like a bus that would serve and you know a certain mm-hmm. route to uh, a different school and then you would get off that bus with everyone else you would transfer and um, get onto the bus that went to your school holy cats and then your school started at eight so it was like i was getting up at six you were commuting every morning really i was a commuter i was a commuter and it was like an hour and a half process once you kind of factor all that in and then i would be at school and then whenever school ends there was an extended day program they called it and then that would go if i was in a play then i was getting home at night but um but even so it was still like i was getting home at like 5 30 i mean that is a long ass day that prepares you for your adult Maybe life i was in a done pretty... at 5 30 yeah. getting home after that jeez but yeah so it was a it was a real full-time job um but that one of the classes that was uh, offered when i was in fifth grade they brought guitar uh, a guitar program and an instructor from the university of arizona in and i don't know why i jumped at that but I definitely was like, I want to do that. And so then I continued doing that um, up through sort of the beginning of high school. And then I just, and then I think the program, like I continued, he he basically took that group and he wasn't bringing in new groups. It was like, he came there, started this group. You are my children. I was there with him when I, and then when I left school, we all stayed as an ensemble group and we like went to Mexico and stuff and did a concert. It was crazy. But um, yeah. And then and then when it ended, it ended. Like I didn't leave. No one left. He was just like, and I'm done. I think he might have been a graduate student. And then he left and got his degree or whatever. Yeah. So it just sort of existed for several years and then was over. And at no time was I like, okay, my next step will be to dot, dot, dot. It was just like, yeah, sort of towards the end of high school. I was like, I guess I could learn to play like songs of like people I like, like Sarah McLachlan. Like it sort of occurred to me. 
Well, that's the same instrument as the thing that I was plucking away at. It probably doesn't feel like it, though. It doesn't feel like it. And when you play classical guitar, it also sounds so different, right? Mm-hmm. It just doesn't sound like... It is uh, technically a different certainly instrument. doesn't sound like an electric guitar, right? Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't sound like a steel string. So yeah. um, it was oh, wow. a long process of, of figuring that out. How did you pick uh, the ukulele? That's actually... Because um, I started on guitar in the sixth grade. There you go, sisters. Sisters. Um, but it was a sort of uh, backwards from, from that because my... I actually went to, we visited some of my mom's Young American uh, alum friends. I mean, friends. side note, we did get to sing back up in David Bowie's Young Americans oh, cover we on certainly the cruise. Did. So now it has special emotional significance for me it didn't have before, knowing that your mom was in the Young Americans. Oh, yeah. I don't actually know if they've ever done that song because it would be too on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do wish that they would, though. I do, too. Oh, goodness. Um, no, but I, uh, we went to visit some of her alum friends, and they introduced me to the band Nickel Creek. Oh, sure. Sarah Watkins. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And this was in like 2000 when they were just kind of, their first record had just gone real big. And it was kind of this revelation for me because I had listened to like the Beatles Mm -hmm. and I understood music to be like, okay, so you plug a bunch of things into a bunch of other things. Right. And you have a drummer and then sound comes out. Um, But it all seemed like engineering to me. It seemed very technical and mysterious. But with Nickel Creek and any sort of bluegrass music, really, you can hear all the distinct parts. And it's Mm -hmm. like sort of cracking open a watch and watching all the bits in the watch. That's a great way of describing it. I haven't thought about that before, but that totally makes sense. And it was kind of new to my, it was just, it cracked my brain wide open. And so we were on the plane leaving, because they lived in Tennessee, because most Nickel Creek fans did at the time. And uh, I said, I want to learn guitar. And my mom went, okay, sure. And we went to a big box music store, bought like a $100 guitar, and she bought like a Beatles fake book that had every Beatles song with the little chord shapes. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. And just went, here you go. And so I learned, I remember I learned eight days a week, but I couldn't learn the bridge because it had a B minor uh-huh. chord in it. And that was too hard. Small fingers. Those little are fingers. still issues for me. Oh yeah, and like the yeah. metal strings and your fingers get yeah, absolutely hurt and nasty. Yeah, and the <laughs> year after that, I had I got one of my friends really into Nickel Creek and we <laughs> formed a Nickel Creek cover band. Does Sarah know this? Do you know Sarah? I've met I met her once and was incredibly daunted. All right. Well, she's a good friend of mine, and so I'm excited to make this conversation happen. Some very occasionally, because we're so rarely in the same place at the same time. I've done little music jams with Sarah, which is very intimidating for everyone else involved, and uh, and Suzanne Santo from Honey Honey. People know from this podcast uh, her episode, and then Jenny Wade also, because oh, yeah. um, she started playing uh, guitar. Um, and that is the, the the biggest hump to overcome. Is like I'm I'm going to be playing music with Sarah Watkins. I, just I will never this... look anything. It will, it will not. I, I just, I, I have to consider it as like, she's not going to judge me, just... even though she's going to be very patient and sweet and think it's charming. Yeah. Because she's a maestro, but she, she won't let me know if she's disappointed. Yeah. She'll be very, very sweet about it. But anyway, I love this because then we can facilitate a whole Molly and Sarah thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. So, so continue. Oh, so, uh, so we... you get your guitar. I got my guitar, um, got my friend hooked on Nickel Creek as well. And then, um, she learned... cover band. Love it. Couldn't love it more. <laughs> she, she, she knew guitar and was sort of not comfortable learning a new instrument. So I went, well, shoot, I'll play mandolin then. So went and got a mandolin, learned how to plunk out. We played like a couple Nickel Creek songs. I think we played Lithium by Nirvana for some Wonderful. reason. Wonderful. Um, had a friend who played fiddle. And then after that, I got really into Steve Martin's stand up. And this is sure. eighth grade by now. So for eighth grade graduation, uh, quote unquote, I got a banjo. Amazing. Um, now that is an instrument that scares the shit out of oh me. Oh yeah, it's well, and it's tuned to a chord, so it shouldn't be it shouldn't be as daunting as it is. Um, 
but like my dad was just willing to like what what is she she wants to play another thing sure like yeah they were very sort of forthcoming did either of them play instruments my mom plays guitar and she sort of taught me the fundamentals of guitar my dad doesn't i don't i don't know if my dad isn't he doesn't express his musicality if he has any got it um and so we're sort of on this pattern of like what's the stringed instrument this year yeah and so my dad was walking home from the office one day and saw a ukulele in a shop window and it was one of those like weird triangular ones that's like plastic on the back Uh uh-huh uh-huh yes 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 and so he went well that thing looks dumb maybe maybe molly can play it and so he brought it home and it was i'd learned how to strum from guitar and i'd learned how to flat pick from mandolin and i'd learned how to finger pick from banjo and so all of i was sort of ready to play ukulele before it even showed up and it's got plastic strings, and I have short little lady fingers, uh-huh. little soft fingers, and so it solved all of my problems. And I didn't so even easy to travel with. I mean, I guess a mandolin is too. Oh, but... it is though. It, it's it's um, and it's sturdy. The thing about the the fluke ukuleles that are these plastic back triangle ones is they are just sturdy as heck. Yeah, you, you never have to change. the You strings. could beat off someone who was threatening you if needed to. I did actually destroy a pizza box with one once, just <laughs> to prove. <laughs> That I could. Excellent. And it kept a tune. It was great. That's pretty fantastic. That's really great. That's a commercial for a ukulele right there. <laughs> if there were such a thing Approach. as commercials for ukulele, <laughs> I should approach them like, no, look, let me Maybe destroy this. Sponsorship. Make yeah. the internet your job. Yeah. There you go. I'm going to make the internet your job too, ukulele company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, well, that's wonderful. Uh, so you, at that point, you sort of walked away from the other two or you still play them sometimes? I don't. I, by the way, have a, uh, a, not ukulele, a mandolin sitting inside that closet that I, when I walked away from Joko Cruz, I, uh, the last thing I said to Saboran was basically like, um, all right, um, this is going to force me to get really great at my mandolin because I have heretofore not had any patience or energy for practicing it. So yeah. now I feel like I'm giving myself a reason. The Joker Cruise has that effect on people. Yeah. They go home and go, I'm going to teach myself a new thing. I was like, no one was playing mandolin. I'll, I call mandolin. <laughs> Stupid. Yeah. I, what Bowie songs could be augmented by mandolin, you reckon? You could probably do on like Space Oddity. Little, yeah, do some little, little nice little trills songs. up there. And mm. yeah, you could, I mean, you could basically turn everything into a Bruce Hornsby song if you had to. Oh, you just <laughs> just do everything by way of Bruce Hornsby. You could put that put it through that filter. David Bowie via Bruce Hornsby. Yeah, there's probably something interesting in that. Maybe not. Um, and so, what? I, first of all, I love the revelation that you fell in love with Steve Martin's stand up when you were around the same age that I also was like obsessing over his stand up. Um, I felt that I was going to marry him. There was a certain point at which I was like, yeah, let me explain the age difference away. Um, <laughs> but uh, what what were you, now I've said who I had um, crushes on. Who who were the people that you would find yourself having crushes on in the public eye? Uh, well, I definitely had a crush on Chris Thiele. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I feel like a lot of Nickel Creek fans did. Uh, yeah, so. he's a very debonair, He was very tall and, and he wore suits and I thought that was nice. Sure. Um, and also like insanely talented. To yeah. The, sort of leaves you breathless point. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I had like crushes on like George Harrison and like Paul McCartney and those. Um, Did your crushes on the Beatles rotate in a certain um, time span? Does that make sense? Like, did yeah. you go through a la their, the sort of phases they went through musically? Did you follow? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. well, I was, I, I thought that beards were gross up until I got to, <laughs> to high school. So there's sort of an end cap, probably around like help, right? Or like Sergeant Pepper. Um, that's great so uh, okay yeah so who did you start having a crush on first 
Uh, or did they ch- exchange uh, over? Well, I think Paul's the entry, the gateway yeah. drug to He's having crushes on Beatles. Like the Davy Jones. He is. If you're, if you're going to make, if I'm, if I'm basically saying, now I've just said the Beatles are like a wannabe monkeys. <laughs> what I've done is I have reversed the universe. You flipped it. That's right. It's a thinker though. Yeah, it's a thinker. <laughs> um, yep. Paul McCartney, definitely at the gateway. Mm-hmm. And, and really. Did never- you ever have a crush on Ringo or John? I, John a little How bit. How rude of me to even say the no, word Ringo with a laugh in my voice. I couldn't even say it seriously. I How know. rude. He's adorable. He's adorable. He's a national treasure. Um, Octopus's Garden, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Maxwell Silverhammer. Have you seen his Twitter? His Twitter's delightful. No, I haven't. It's all just emojis. Like, he signs oh, everything bless. with, like, well, just ate a sandwich. It was delicious. Peace and love, Ringo. Like, <laughs> it's the most charming thing. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Okay, so just Paul and George. Yeah, and a little and bit. And started of, with Paul, and then sort of, George sort of had John, a lot of and then facial you hair. kind of read John's history and go, oh, well, he sounds like he was kind of a jerk, you know. Yeah, and also he and Yoko were meant to be together, so you don't want to break that up. That's true. They made it they made it impo- an impossible bond to sort of break into or fantasize they sort of became about. This two headed thing. That's yeah. right. That's right. Much to everyone's chagrin. Hence, I guess everyone blamed yeah. her for that. But and my fantasies were always very grounded. So it was like, well, if I got between John and Yoko, I think Yoko would fuck me. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Can I swear? No, you absolutely can. And okay. I I feel the same. Like I tried to make sense. I felt like I was making logical choices. Yeah. I remember I said that about the monkeys because Nickelodeon used to show, like Nick at Night used to show old monkeys mm-hmm. reruns when I was little. And uh, and I had a crush on Peter because I felt he was the most accessible. Like, I think most people have crushes on the other three. So if I have a crush on Peter, the chances that I would get him are I mean, higher. Like, it's yeah. just math. It's just yeah, basic just math. Yeah, in the field. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How logical and weird. <laughs> Just well, ignore all the other things. Well, and like you sort of have to, it, there's a certain amount that is fantasy, but there is like with justifying the age difference between you and yeah. Steve Martin, just sort of like, no, we could, we could make it work. Cause I definitely did the math with Chris Thiele. Cause I think he's maybe 10 years my senior. And I was yeah. like, no, by the time I'm 25, which by the way, hundred percent true. Yes, yeah, true. And I think Steve Martin dated women my age, uh, when I was in my twenties, but by then it was disappointing to me. Yeah. The half. Then I was like, wait, now, wait, now this is logical. I don't know about this. I feel weird about it now. <laughs> Back off. I'm backing off of this. Yeah. Um, okay, so Chris Thiele, uh, Paul and George. Um, anyone else? Any, like, actory type well, like, people? I sort of knew, I think the Steve Martin... I didn't have a crush on Steve Martin uh, for some odd reason, but, like... That, that, well, first of all, that's totally fine. Because he was yours. <laughs> you claimed him. I wasn't going to step on your on your turf. Word got to you that I had already claimed him. I understand. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, but I, I definitely had a crush on Jimmy Fallon when his solo comedy album came out, and mm-hmm. I think that's kind of when the turn happened where I went, I'm not going to be a musician. I'm going to be a comedy musician. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and cause, cause he sort of, there were sort of goofy songs and then stand up on one album, which was sort of what Steve Martin had also done. And I was like, Oh, people that are alive and closer to my age are doing this. Yeah, absolutely. That's fascinating. And so when you put, um, when you started doing that and you were starting to put it up on, uh, YouTube and stuff, did you have any sense of, had you seen, like other things come to rise that you knew to be like, oh, this is just a person over here. This is like a thing that caught on with this. Or, or and did you have a sense of that being you uh, in terms of future surfing? Or were you like, well, I won't be like that, but I will just put these on online because I like, the phrase I like future them. surfing. That's really great. Take it. <laughs> Leave I, me Steve Martin. Take that. Well, I think I liked Jimmy Fallon because he could not keep a straight face on SNL, and I very much yeah. felt like if I were a cast member on SNL, that would be me. Yeah, there was sort of some representation there. Um, but I, I actually put, started putting things on YouTube because I played some songs in my school talent show, and not all my friends were there, but heard Molly did a ukulele cover of a Britney Spears song. It was amazing, 
and they kept saying you should bring your ukulele to school and play it for us and that seemed terrifying uh-huh. i was like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do that you no, no thank you and so i put it on youtube and sent it to them on myspace at the time and uh and then one of my friends put it on dig and it went doink and so I hadn't considered that there would even be an audience for that sort of thing. Yeah. And then half a million people showed up and I went, oh, maybe I should write a second song, you know. And Did you feel, Did at any point did that f- start to feel like pressure to you? It, it did sort of. It felt like there were people, because people showed up to, because I posted the Britney Spears video and then everybody showed up and I posted an original song and there was a sustain. There was clearly people that had subscribed expecting things. And um, I kind of went well i think these people are expecting another song i guess i should i had song ideas and so i just went well i should this is as good a time as any i guess and so i recorded another one and put it up and there was sort of continued interest and i sort of recognized like that there are you know there are people that want to do this for a job but they can't find an audience and i've found an audience so i guess this is my job now sure sure which was a scary thing to, as you know, a 17 year old applying to colleges to go, but my job's over here. Yeah, absolutely. I found it. Though. And you easily could have just said, I don't need school. Like, I'm not going to go to school. Particularly yeah. if you had the experience of being yeah. restless when you were, and, and not necessarily feeling like you had this end goal in mind that included a degree, per yeah. se. But I did, I was also the first of the grandchildren in my family to apply to four year schools at all. And education is what brought my grandpa to America. And so it was always very important in my family. And it was also. I mean, a, a big factor was, I think, as uh, Paul F. Tompkins has explored, the fear of getting yelled at. I did not want to get yelled at about not going to college. Yeah, and yeah. So, so I did it, and I stuck I stuck to the end, surprising, to everyone's surprise. How were, how did your parents, and I have another question I want to ask that I hopefully will not forget, so this is me saying it out loud, uh, as I quickly forget it. But um, how, what, how where did your parents react to the YouTube stuff? Actually, you know what? I'm going to time in together. First of all, how did they um, react to that? And mm-hmm. second of all, I think my curiosity is how... How much did seeing those numbers translate into human bodies? Like, there's something so abstract about half a million people on YouTube versus going and even performing for a thousand people live. Like, that's, I think that's sort of, I still struggle with that. And I don't have that kind of internet presence at all. But they're sort of numbers that don't quite mean anything. They're hard to translate to real bodies. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, my which parents, helps, I think, which helps with someone like you, where you think like, oh, I don't want to go perform at my high school. That sounds terrifying. Yet a half a million, million people, people see your, your video and mm-hmm. that's safe because you've produced it, created it, and then it's out there and it's not a face looking at you yeah. all at once. As you don't have to hear live. them reacting to you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and my first, the first video that I put up was me doing Toxic by Britney Spears. And uh, I had been told my whole life that... If someone, you know, you're a girl and if someone finds you on the internet, they will come and get you and they'll find you. (laughs) Right. And so it was just kind of by virtue of the camera that I had and the setup I had in my room. But I put my camera on top of my TV and it cut off my face. Uh Uh-huh. And I went, well, that's fine. Right. Because then no one can find me. Right. You know, and so it was, I don't know what even changed my mind about that, but the next video had my whole face in it. Uh (laughs) It was fine. I didn't get kidnapped. Still haven't been kidnapped. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. Today's the day. (laughs) Oh. Now that I'm in oh, the yeah. no, should I let that slip? I shouldn't have said that out loud. Of course, we sit next to a giant dog crate. Is that that's for me? Right. <laughs> Doesn't it look cozy, though? It does. Doesn't it, Molly? I, I think I'd fit, though. That's the thing. I mean, you probably would. It's a pretty big crate. Yeah. This, um, is, this is where we find out moments after the podcast ends. <laughs> that's the promotional picture uh, yeah, for this yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. And then let me ask you this. Now, again, you're sort of doing this at least in a city um, that is adjacent to and relative to um, show business in general. Mm-hmm. Uh 
course, by that I mean Disneyland, but also Hollywood. Yeah. Um, did you? What, what was the reaction by people that you went to school with when suddenly you had this huge internet following? Did people? Did anybody change their behavior, or was it just like, oh, good old Molly? There were, Half a million, huh? A million, huh? Great, you know. Well, like YouTube was, like, YouTube had been around for a few years, but there weren't really like YouTubers as a as a thing at that point, and it was all kind of foreign to people. So people didn't know how to even leverage that many YouTube views into a a job. Uh, and so what a lot of people told me is like, you should audition for American Idol, which I thought was demeaning. Uh huh. But that was kind, nobody really knew that you could just do YouTube as a thing. They sure. thought that that was a, a bounce, like a, you know, a, what's a the step, word? yeah, like a, ba- ba- a bouncing stone. board, a, a bouncing, one of them bouncing boards, one of them bouncing boards. It was a bouncing board to, to, you know, some other like legitimate form of success. And, yeah. um, I think they, I had, um, a, a former teacher who then sort of wanted to, I don't know what she, her plan was, but she was like, I want to represent you. I want to, you know, we'll send out your bio to magazines. And at the time I was like, that's not how the industry works anymore. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I'm not, I don't know a lot about it, but I know that magazines uh-huh. don't come into it. Um, I love it. But uh, I love it because it does remind me of like the people that I've had on the podcast who have been, who have been around in show business for a really long time have those. And I have some old, like, 1970s. There's this magazine called Faces International mm-hmm. that was um, just a headshot magazine. And so you would get your headshot done, and you would have this whole page of pictures where you, Molly, would be, like, a stern teacher wagging her finger with, like, her hair oh. in a bun and glasses in one picture. Oh, and then Lord. next to that, you'd be, like, a clown with completely clown makeup. And then you'd turn it over, and you would be, like, withholding a baseball bat, just sort of just showing all these different, like, kooky characters that you oh, could do. God. That used to be a thing. And so when you're when you just said that, that's what it reminded me of. I it was like get on eBay just a right f- now. quick flashback. Oh, I I want to just cover a coffee fully, table. These. I will fully um, remind me when we finish. I will absolutely go get one because talk about a thing to do on a rainy day if you're feeling glum. Oh it is God. like hilarious. You can't not laugh. That would be a, a, like an amazing exercise for like a writer to just kind of like okay, pick a number between one and oh, absolutely. And 50. Let me create this character based yeah. on this. Roll a d twenty. This guy. Yeah. I'm gonna write a story about this clown holding a baseball yeah. bat. <laughs> You've taken them and merged them. That's a very threatening clown. I have to assume it's a bank robber. <laughs> I would think so. Or a very characterful baseball player. At the bare minimum. At the bare <laughs> minimum. Um, okay, what was I going to ask you? So, YouTube's... Yeah, uh, so people... So it didn't really... Okay, and since you wanted to send pictures of you, which was the wonderful derailing that just took place. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then what happened? Well, um, I one of the songs I did in this talent show... Uh, because I did two consecutive years at my school talent show. They had me back for a second year. I don't think my school even had a talent show. It was uh, it was organized by like the Rotary Interact kids. And they were very high achievers as kids went. So they put the whole thing together. Got it. Um, but so I did the second year. Because the first year I did like a Britney Spears song. And I don't even know one of my songs that I wrote. And the second year I did another song that I wrote. And Tom Cruise Crazy by Jonathan Colton. And my mom took... She tried to take video of me singing Tom Cruise Crazy. And the camera ran out of space. Uh-huh. And so I, we got a couple lines in, like, least all his people tell him so. Yeah, the song's over. And I went, ah, that's fine. And I put it on YouTube. And someone sent it straight to Jonathan Colton. And Amazing. he responded to that person and said, well, she's, she's pretty good. I wish I could hear the whole thing. And she, this person turned around and told me that. And I went, well, at the behest of Mr. Colton, they need to record a complete... <laughs> That's so amazing. 
same version of this song, I guess. I yeah. mean, that's another perfect example of the sort of immediacy and and the connectivity of the internet, right? I mean, your comment when you were twelve was like very sage. It was know it or not, because that's not something. When I was in high school, that just wasn't a thing. I mean. I didn't, I would never, I would have been too embarrassed to write anyone anyway, right? Yeah. I, mean, I would have been like, because you do, in a perfect world, you would like to meet someone that is, you feel you're meeting as an equal, or at least somebody that you have something to show for yourself yeah. in the realm of which you like them. Some people, that's how I felt. Or like, you know, even, you know, before YouTube, if you you cover a, say, a Hanson song, and someone goes, that's really good, you should send that to Hanson. You're that like, entails like I... putting it on a cassette and yeah, mailing it to absolutely. Hanson. And... But just the, like, oh, I think on a whim I'll send this to the person that wrote this song. Yeah. And then they respond and that comes back to me. It's just all, like, it happened within, like, a week. It's really exciting. Yeah. It's really exciting. For all of the things that make the accessibility to a person mm-hmm. who is a person and has feelings um, scary or dangerous or just, you know, what you were talking about, which obviously you did not get kidnapped. But yeah. for all the negative things that, that happen with uh, being some, some sort of a celebrity online, those moments are pretty magical. Yeah. And, it, it, and the immediacy of it actually is what made me think like, well, I'm obviously dying and this is some make-a-wish setup. Uh-huh. Like, there's, n- <laughs> there's no way that this is just happening right. of, of my own merit. That's not a possible thing. And I also, also it helps that you that you were drawn to something that I think just like good people like and do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You weren't like creating something that you know the the. And I absolutely will not cast aspersions by naming names or anything like that. But Certainly. if you were pursuing something that wasn't necessarily associated with like smart, funny nerds who are super down to earth, whether or not they've sold millions and millions of whatever, yeah. then, you know, who knows? But the fact that you, that was something that you felt drawn to is number one, I think a great re- reflection of your character, but also a lovely way to, because those are the people that are going to go, well, Hey, she's great. Yeah. I, why, I don't see any difference between her being great and some, you know, someone I do know being great. She seems yeah. awesome. And you've, you've been on, on the Joko cruise and like John, Jonathan Colton's fan community is just the the most warm, delightful, intelligent yeah. people, and really just a great community to get dropped in the middle of. Absolutely, as a high school person, and I also didn't recognize celebrity as it's kind of this gradient, right? Like, there's very famous people who can't go to the store, For and then sure. there's kind of everybody between, like Kanye West and us. Yeah, and also we're living in a world where sort of having niches is kind of wonderful and celebrated, and that's mm-hmm. why you have so many comic cons and like pockets where you could be on the Joko cruise and someone somehow wouldn't know who you were or what you did and then someone else would be like obsessed that and 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 shocked like how could you not know who that person is and there's something really great about that absolutely like and it, i remember it was it was startling to me that Jonathan Colton answered his own seat like customer service emails like that seemed like sh- you should have like a whole team of people right. shouldn't you and now that i do basically that I understand. Like, no, it's just a team of like one or two. Yeah. Every once in a while, if I get a message that's like, I don't know if you'll ever see this. I'm like, well, there wasn't anyone else receiving this email at this address. Well, so guess what? It comes to my phone. It just, yeah. It's not getting filtered through even one person. <laughs> You're in luck. Um, it, was your uh, dating life, uh, if existent, uh, in high school like? Um, I didn't date anybody until I was, until the last semester of my senior year, Mm -hmm. because I'm a smarty. And I remember it seemed like mysterious to me how that even happens. Like I had sort of... Well, it's kind of like the driving thing, right? Like you see it happening to other people and then it starts to feel further and further away somehow as it doesn't happen to you, maybe. But like with driving, though, there's a very clear sort of process. Like first you go to the class. Well, that's a good point. And then you take the written test and then you take the test. Yeah, absolutely. And there's like steps. Sure. But like... To be followed, Yeah. With with uh, coupling, it didn't like because I had you know friends in my friend group who they would come to school one week and be like, oh by the way we're boyfriend and girlfriend now, 
And I'd be like, how did you do that? Yeah. What was Can there, I borrow that manual? I imagined like they had like a meeting where they sat down with their lawyers. Like, okay, so you agree to, <laughs> you know, share milkshakes and you right. agree to, you know, like yeah. to exchange smooches. Like I didn't yeah. understand how that happened. And um, then when I was a senior, I had, a, we sort of developed this mutual crush situation on this other musician who went to my school. Um, and, uh, we decided to do the, like, well, she's going away to college and he's staying here, but they're going to stay together despite what everybody told us. Right. And, uh, we, we dated for the entirety of my freshman year of college. Oh, wow. Okay. We were both very stubborn. Right. Like things were rocky, but we were like, no, we're going to, they said this wouldn't work and we're going to show them that it works. Yeah. And, uh, I'm sure there, I mean, listen, there are worse reasons that people stay together. Defiance is probably a pretty decent one. Yeah. And you know what? It it kept me out of trouble. I will say like, I never dated anyone that went to my university. All of my boyfriends have always been off of campus. Uh huh. And I, I had a boyfriend consistently through college, just different. I would just cycle through different boyfriends Mm -hmm. and none of them went to my school, which was great. Cause how were, and how did you meet them? I met, uh, just through mutual friends or were they not even in the same city? They were not even, well, cause a second boyfriend I met through the YouTube community Mm -hmm. And so he, you know, he was down with like Wootstock. He sort of, he understood what I did. And that was the thing is I had to live this kind of Hannah Montana style double life. Yeah. When I was in college because, and I would sometimes have to debrief my professors like, hey, listen, uh, I have to do this thing called Wootstock a couple times this semester. So I'll be gone a little bit. Right. I'll just let you know when that is and I'll try to keep up on the work. And I'm sorry. Um, And there was one semester where I decided not to do that. And then a surprise gig came up and I had to have like this emergency, like, hey, listen, I'm kind of a big deal. Your emergency summit. I need to leave. Uh, There's this thing called YouTube. I got to (laughs) go. Look it up. Look it up. As you're leaving. Just Google me. Google me. Molly shaped hole in the wall. (laughs) Yeah. What, Um, uh, how, and they responded well to that. Was that a pretty uh, liberal college, right? It's not. And it was small. It was about the size of my high school. Yeah. So. They would notice if I was gone, certainly. I couldn't just sneak out. But when I was like, hey, Google Stephen Fry. I have to go sing a song to him. Bye. And then left. Then they would go, oh, congrats. I guess we'll see you on Monday. Right. That's Um, good. They were all pretty, pretty chill that way. And, uh, but so the, the boyfriend that I had understood sort of what it is I did. And he was part of the community that I sort of had to pander to. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think, I don't know if it was, and we ended up breaking up and I met uh, the guy that I'm currently with uh, who lived in Seattle and was part of sort of the the gaming. He he was a fan of Jonathan Colton in a way that second boyfriend wasn't. And he uh, he actually swooped in because what happened was I wrote a song about Stephen Fry, about having his baby. And some people at Harvard University were like, hey, we're having a show uh, with Stephen Fry next week. Uh, we're a student organization and can't bring you in, but if you can get yourself in somehow, yeah, then worth we'll, it. we'll put you in the room with him and you'll sing to him and it'll be great. Worth it. So I, it'll be, I had to like go to the internet and be like, Hey, I, I have this thing. I need a plane ticket to Boston like right now. And I can't tell you what it is until I have the plane ticket, but just trust me. It's, I mean, it'll be, and the internet was like, yeah, sure. Here. Amazing. And, uh, Amazing. and current boyfriend actually came in and was like, I've done the math. And by the time you have fundraised to get the ticket, it will cost twice as much. So I will book the ticket for you. You pay me oh, back. Oh, that makes some solid sense. And I was like, you're a smarty. You're yeah. A-. Well, then the, the, actually, when I initially met him, I was at a tweet up. Um, <laughs> I'd been dragged to this tweet up and it was a bunch of, uh, you know, perfectly nice people who were all wearing like t-shirts and kilts. Yeah. Great. And he was wearing a suit. And I went, well, you're a gentleman <laughs> among men. I should figure out what you're about. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, wh- that reminds me real quick. Why did you apply to a Bible college? Because uh, my uncle went there and was okay. friends with the dean. All right. There um, you go. 
And it was like a, you know, couple hour drive from my house and that seemed fine. But it was like a, you know, boys, boys dorm, girls dorm, have to check into chapel, like one of those. Right. Um, Were you raised religious at all? I was Catholic, raised Catholic. Um, And I actually kind of continued to go to church when I was in college because it's kind of like eating McDonald's in a foreign country. Uh (laughs) Uh, But now the masses all changed, so I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Well, we were just talking about that, too. We were just talking about how... um, They've changed a few words, and that like somehow that feels a little bit confusing. Like even wait a things minute, are in Latin. yeah. Why is this like not a? How was this a thing that I didn't that I somehow missed the one day that they did it? Yeah, um, it was with Jessica McKenna actually. She's uh, she uh, too was raised Catholic and is like I like going certain times but um now i have to like mumble when other people are saying the words because i was sick that day whenever they decided to swap some things out yeah um are your is your uh family religious in the sense of like they do go regularly my mom is the cantor at our church so she she always led the and it was actually kind of it sort of informed um my my sense of what being a catholic was about because one of my earliest memories of my mom was us sitting in mass and i had to sit in the front in the one row that didn't have a kneeler Mm -hmm. because she had to sit in the front because she was the cantor and I remember her in like a nice sort of mom type way, but basically telling me that I had resting bitch face and I <laughs> needed to sort of check that That's because really it reflected on her. And if I seemed angry about being at mass, then uh-huh. she seemed like a bad mom. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I really took that to heart. That's so funny. You're the last person I would imagine having resting bitch face in any <laughs> environment. I like to think of you being privately amused by something that is uh, causing a slight smirk, if nothing else. <laughs> Okay, resting smirk face. Resting smirk face. I'll take it. Boy, that is a tongue twister. All right, uh, listen, I got to get into this mash game, which I'm very excited about Ooh. because I already have my first category that I've been stewing on um, since uh, we started talking about this. So let let me say for your first. And now some people play it where they get, they, they you have three choices for every category, and one of your choices is like one you wouldn't actually want. I guess that's sometimes how the game mash was played, where oh, you're sure. like, oh, this, this, and then a bogey. Yeah. Okay. I don't feel that way. I feel, uh, list three things that you like, as far as I'm concerned. So sure. you can do whatever you want. But okay. in this uh, category, you um, you have the opportunity to write a song about and meet someone and sing it for them Ooh. that you probably will never get to do that with. Because that, that ex- person does not exist in anything but fiction, because uh, they're passed away okay or you just think it's so far out of the realm of possibility Ooh. that you ju- that you just won't include them okay um well i know the first one is uh, sir thomas midgley okay all right sir thomas midgley jr um who's a chemical engineer who invented cfcs and leaded gasoline amazing um i'm very, very interested in him and his story um okay. wonderful i'd also like to write a song about Pope Joan. Okay. Who is, it's this apocryphal sort of historical story about a lady who accidentally became the Pope. I don't know anything about that. How fascinating. There's a, a, allegedly, and this is all like, I mean, Da Vinci Code style, like Catholic mystic, like myth. Yeah. Uh, but now there is a ceremony where they pass the Pope over a bunch of cardinals to, and they have to say in Latin, his, he has testicles and they hang well. <gasps> Whoa. Testiculous habit. This sounds like something Sinead O'Connor Pendentes, would know a lot yeah. about. <laughs> this is exciting okay pope joan and then what's your third one um i don't know oh i mean i would very much like to meet uh tom lehrer but that seems kind of meta to write a song about I'd write a song i think about. that's kind of wonderful oh yeah i think that's great write a song about a songwriter that probably will happen i feel although he's getting old he's getting older huh yeah yeah I, he's up there 
But yeah. isn't he in Santa Cruz? He lives in Santa Cruz, I think. He taught at Santa Cruz. He lives in Cambridge. Oh, he does. Oh, he does. That must be what I'm thinking. Yeah. He taught at Santa Cruz. Uh, copy that. Okay. Uh, next category is um, three movies that you can jump into and they are realities for you at oh, your Lordy. discretion for as little or as long as you like. Um, the worlds are real. It's not like you're going in there playing a character. Everyone exists around you as they exist in the film, but you get to hang out oh. with them and play in whatever realm that is. Okay. Three. Three movies like that. Okay. I think, um, oh, wow. Um, I know there's a real pressure cooker situation. I'm sorry. It requires so much improvisation. It's okay. Um, there's, um, there's, uh, I think Zazie de la Metro would be the first one. It's a Louis Malle film. It's just like kind of what, like when you picture the sort of cartoony version of Paris with like everyone wearing striped shirts and long mustaches. One of those. It seems really fun. A lot of people packed into really tiny cars. Great. Um, I would say Bugs Life. Great. <laughs> Just the physics of that world are fun. Absolutely. Like to be real tiny. And be a bug in a world with no people. That would be fun. Um, yeah, there you go. And, oh, what about the last one? Mm, I think... I'm trying to think of, like, a musical. Because it would be fun to live in a sure. movie musical kind sure. of universe. That's a really good point. Yeah. just it, some good Just ones. sort of have the license to break out into song yeah. or whatever. But what's... Because I feel like West Side Story is too gritty. Well, that's kind of sad. There's yeah. kind of the Nazi element in Sound of Music. Yeah. Wouldn't it depends on your if you're going way back. Um, I, it, fresh in my mind is Moulin Rouge because I know Jessica McKenna loved it. Um, <laughs> so it's recent in my mind uh, attached to this MASH game. But Which actually we didn't even do. That I don't even know why that. that but only because it's a musical that I know she loved. Is yeah. that in my mind at all? It didn't even. I don't think it factored into anything to do with MASH. But uh, uh, what about like... Um, I feel like Oklahoma or something. Yeah, or right? like the Music Man. Is or like Lil Abner. Fave. Oh, the Music Man. Yeah. Yes, right? the Music Man. I mean, that was, yeah, that's great. Uh, great choice that I gave you. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulating myself when I congratulate you. That's what clearly an the best option. What an asshole. Okay. <laughs> uh, three foods that um, in this world of ours, you know, aren't great for you and you can't eat them all the time, even though you wish you could. Well, mm-hmm. in this world, you can. And in fact, they're good for you. And oh. you can conjure them at the snap of a finger, even if it's some specific thing you only had once that you've never been able to find again, etc. Okay. Three. Fantastic. Um, first one, KFC Famous Bowls. Amazing. Well, now, what's uh, in a Famous Bowl? It is mashed potatoes, yeah, uh, little chicken nugget things, yep. uh, corn, sweet yeah. corn, and cheese and gravy. On the go. Get it all in it's there in one It's the bowl. best. Fantastic. Um, That's a really good use of this category. <laughs> um, great. Uh, number two, uh, the Uncrustable sandwiches. Okay. I wish that I could have like every, like if they could fit vegetables in there somehow, uh-huh. they would be the only thing I eat. <laughs> Just grind them up and put them in the... Just, yeah, into a in paste. The, yeah. Um, uh, great. And... I feel like Famous Bowl covers the mashed potatoes thing because I would generally yep, yep, that sounds right. eat mashed potatoes. Um, and I would say like just a real good ramen soup. Okay. Listen, you're a salt person I'm getting from you because yeah. I'm not getting any brownies or chocolate chip cookies in Well, it's Uncrustables or a peanut butter and jelly that's true. scenario. That's true. I guess I to me that still seems more responsible than like yeah. I tr- straight up I tried like a fluffernutter recently and yeah, it was I found like the wall like okay so I thought yep. I was a sweet person but yeah. this is too much yeah here's eight peeps go for it um, okay I, great choices I have a song about marshmallow peeps like microwaving them and making them fight oh nice <laughs> and so every year people are of course I get like do. gifts of peeps and I'm like no that no, too ah, much dye so much so much gore so much gore <laughs> um, uh, okay next one all due respect to your wonderful uh, boyfriend sure this is a mash game so three um, 
realistic, unrealistic from a different era, a person who's not even real. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, three could be just sexy times, could be uh, alternate universe husband, sure. uh, anything like that. Three. Okay. Uh, Gregory Peck. Great. Mm, I think like 1965 George Harrison, if I could just freeze him mm-hmm. in resin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, right. Aunt Lou- oh, man. It's so confusing to see Tequila Mocking or to be like, how can I both want him to be my dad and my lover? <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing Freud was talking about. I yeah. knew it. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like a cartoon character. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just to spice it up. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm, let's say Brock Sampson from the Venture Brothers. Great, 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 yeah. great, great, great. Love it. Okay. All right, let's do uh, you wake up tomorrow and you have sort of matrix style downloaded three skills that you do not currently possess and you're just sort of an expert. Everything is sort of seamless and flawless <laughs> in your, uh, your approach at things. Okay. Um, I would like to be able to... How general can I be with these? Can I be like, I'd like to play every instrument. Great. No, okay, yeah, great. absolutely. General. Okay. Like, yeah, I'd like to be able to just... Great. Fluency at instruments in general. That's a great one. Yes. Um think i would like to well i don't want to like do like the i'd like to wish more for more wishes but like uh-huh. <laughs> it would be neat if i could speak you know sort of world languages yeah absolutely That'd multilingual cool. sure multilingual great and i would like to be able to uh ride dogs as if they were horses <laughs> <That's amazing. laughs> perfect <laughs> perfect uh okay excellent um okay next category will be i'm thinking about molly lewis uh vacation home gotta do vacation home somewhere in the the this world of ours this world of ours this actual world of ours but take traveling to get there out of it imagine you can just like uh just a haddock tube yourself and then you're there exactly great um okay well i want that uh, japanese island that's all cats great cat island cat island (laughs) wonderful um I well I'm trying let me see if I can spread it out over parts of the world. I would say Ireland. Great. And uh the part of South America that has penguins. Great. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, which we'll just call Chile. All right, perfect. Um okay, next category is let's do um uh, fictitious best friend. So it's someone from history or uh or literature or something like that, that is like sort of your buddy and also kind of your mentor in the sense that you could just um, call that person up and say yeah. like, what should I do about this? Hmm. I'm trying to think. What's the name of the lady? There's two, there were two ladies, I guess, but the lady that went around the world. Um, oh, oh God. Uh, oh, I couldn't have wanted to say Amelia Earhart more knowing <laughs> that was beyond not right. That'd be pretty dope though. Yeah. Right. Amelia Earhart. That's a well, good one too. Yeah, she'd, she'd kind of flake on you, though, because she would fall into the ocean. That's true. <laughs> In this world, she's yeah. perennially alive. She, she, yeah, she might be. Who knows? In or out of the ocean. <laughs> Just, she's real good at the Irish goodbye. Yeah. And with very pruned, pruned fingertips. <laughs> yes. I've been in the water a long time. Yeah. Long time. Real bitch and haircut. Long time, Molly. Uh, God, I can't think of her name. I'm totally a blank. It's, um, I want to say it's like... It's not Abby Wilde. That's a different person. That's, Sorry, a, that's an actress I know. I guess I could Google it really quick. Um, it, it's one of those, like, her name's like Lottie or Hattie or something. Something uh, plucky? Yeah, something plucky. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, woman. 
around the world. <laughs> There's got to be better search terms than that. Because it was a race between two lady journalists, I remember, and she was she was on an episode of Drunk History recently. Well, not the actual lady, obviously. <laughs> Elizabeth Bisland. That was the other lady. N- Nellie, Nellie Bly. Nellie, Nellie Bly. Bly. Nellie Bly. We got there. All right. <laughs> Nellie Bly. Well, God she's my best it. friend, even though I don't she remember sure her She sure is. She's very angry right now for blanking. Um, okay, two more. Uh, two more. Um, uh, let's just say Lala, the yellow Teletubby. <laughs> kind of running out of steam here. <laughs> Wonderful. And... Mm. Oh, what is uh is it war from good omens who is a lady yeah yes i think so no because famine's a dude and or he's pestilence um yeah the other I one's a dude war yeah yeah okay great and then last category will be let's do um you are responsible for writing uh three songs that um have been attributed to other people but you actually are going to set the record straight and uh, clear the air and just say, listen, I know that you love uh, Yellow Submarine. Okay. Sorry, Ringo. It was written by me. <laughs> Great. Um, I would definitely like to take credit for Daydream Believer. Great. Because that's, that's a great chorus. Agreed. And let me think. And not from like a royalty standpoint, like from a creative or maybe a royalty standpoint. Oh, that's good. God, that really could change it. Because yeah. then you suddenly could wish you wrote a song that you I hate. wish I wrote Shake It Off or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, I do wish I could take credit for... Well, actually, Toxic is a very interesting song. There you go. I'll take credit for Toxic. There you go. And, and then sort of my reclamation when I was in high school. Uh, yeah, yeah exactly. Title. Yes, yes. And... Mm, I think I would take credit. I'm trying to think of what... I would love to take credit for a Beatles song, but I've I've already taken credit for a monkey song. Is that too much? <laughs> no, I think if you take credit for a monkey song, you're required to also take credit have, for a Beatles song. No, there's a there's a song uh, called "Let's Misbehave," which oh sure, is just, sure, just the kind of mischief I want associated with the ukulele. Absolutely. Who wrote that? Like a Cole Porter type? Yeah. If not him, then someone. Um, why am I closing this one? I have to do yet the most important part of this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, tell me when to stop. Okay and now okay uh i'm gonna do a little bit of tallying we're gonna take a break mm-hmm. the listener will not take a break it will seem as if no time has passed but i will come back with your 100 percent guaranteed mash future excellent all right this is the part where i try to weave all of this into some sort of like continuity that makes sense yeah uh for your new uh and to your point these other lives exist in different universes different this timelines. is just a multiverse so this is in this timeline <laughs> in this timeline you God, where do I even start? All right. Well, since we're talking multiverse, I'll tell you that um, uh, in any situation, in any country, all over the world, uh, you are multilingual. Yes. So you can just bop around and have no trouble communicating whatsoever. I think that's so lovely. And also, the thing that, just to overspeak, uh, overspeak about this, um, the thing that I think is so cool about that is just that idea that like I feel you have a better understanding of also just the human condition and like spirit and emotions because people who speak a number of languages always talk about like, well, there's no word for it in German. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So you'll always know. You'll I hope like, I don't well, sound like that. In- <laughs> you will. No. You'll become immediately ostentatious. Okay. You'll be like, there's no word, you know, there's no word, but in the, in Hawaiian, there is a word. Do you know, in Italian, like, there's a word, you- shut up Molly yeah. already. And you'll That's be fine. like, it's okay. I have myself to keep myself company. <laughs> Um, and if, and if you need to just disappear, you can always disappear to your apartment in Chile. 
Awesome. Where I assume you're surrounded by penguins nonstop. Oh, please. Yes. Um, so uh, wonderful, wonderful news on that front. Um, that is something that you can enjoy uh, doing with your best friend, Nellie Bly. Yay! Who will very much enjoy going all over the world with you and the fact that you speak multiple languages. So that's actually become like a gift to your friendship with Nellie. That's very helpful, which I think is wonderful. Um, this, I don't know what it says, just like I said, was going to happen to me. Uh, no, no, I'm so close. Who did you cross out? Oh, God. I know you didn't get... Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, the music man. Thank God. You can go into the oh. music man whenever you want. Oh, fantastic. God, oh, Nellie's going to have a great time. She's really going to have a great oh time. God. Just a couple of plucky ladies sassing around in the music <laughs> man. I'll take it. Um, listen, you're going to be getting a lot of exercise. You're going to be going all over the place. Um, you're going to be having adventures where sometimes you may not know where your next meal is coming from. I want you to know at the snap of your fingers, boom, Uncrustables. Yes. Everywhere you go. Those travel real easy. As much as you like. That'll be great. Congratulations. Um, that is certainly going to come in handy when you travel all the way into the past to sing your song to and meet Sir Thomas Midgley. Yay! So very exciting there as well. Um, and uh, I don't know if he's the right person for you then to cover uh, your own song that you wrote, Toxic. Mm. But you do have that option. No, but if I see you it certainly in the have past, the rights to it. I can certainly, yeah. You certainly have the rights mm-hmm. to it. Um, congratulations on writing that song. And uh, all of this is being shared with your uh, This Timeline uh, partner in crime, Mr. 1965 George Harrison. Oh, yay. Yeah. Oh, I That's like the this. one you really wanted most, I, I think. I like this timeline a lot. Um, well done, you. And thank you so much for doing the podcast. Well, thank you for having I me. I hope I get to see you again sooner than uh, the next cruise if I'm even welcomed there. But uh, I will just show up even if I'm not. So, But I hope to see you before then. I will sneak into your luggage. Please you. do. Yes. And obviously you'll be living in this crate that's next to me <laughs> oh, until true. then. So, so when I say see day. you, I mean really, will you see me? Because you're going to be a blindfold the whole time. So I <laughs> will, will you remember to come into this room to Possibly visit me not. and feed me? Okay. Oh, well, but you, you just keep your mouth closed when I'm podcasting and you'll get a special uncrustable treat afterwards. <laughs> okay. It's going to be great. Um, I feel certain that no one needs to find you because they've already found you. But uh, what would you like to tell people about um, uh, in terms of how to enjoy you and your work? Uh, I am at Molly23, the number 23 on Twitter and at Molly23. Instagram and Tumblr. And uh, my website is mollylewis.wtf. mollylewis.wtf, everybody. Thank you so much. And uh, guys, I'll talk to you next time on the podcast. As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.